Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you all are staying safe. And yeah, I know a lot of uncertainty right now. I know we're, you know, getting to the summer. Uh, before you know it, the fall will be here. Uh, just hope you all are staying inspired through everything going on. My guest today is Leonardo Holland. He runs the organization The Skinny Fat Cook with a mantra of eat well, train well, and live well. Uh, some key points is Leonardo is a veteran and he's running a black-owned business. And the ultimate goal of this business is to operate a platform for people to get exposed to a healthier way of life. With the healthier way of life being focused on eating more real food, being active, and taking care of mental and spiritual health. Some of his influences are his time in the military, martial arts, outdoors, yoga, Ayurveda, and therapists. Uh, so his knowledge is he has a BBA in food management and an AOS in culinary from the Culinary Institute of America. That's how we met. He is uh, precision, precision Nutrition Level 1 from the National Association of Sports Medicine. He's a weight loss specialist and a behavioral change specialist. In some future courses and certifications he hopes to achieve are Ayurveda certification, yoga teacher training, and a physical trainer certification. Very excited to have him on today. Uh, you know, Leonardo is someone who, like I said, I met in school and someone who is, you know, I've just been following since graduating and whatnot. And I do want to say before we start the conversation that this conversation isn't really like heavy food based. It's more on a um, whole holistic approach to your life type conversation. And we really get into Leonardo, you know, someone who has worked in kitchens, who has served in the military, kind of taking all these skills together to put them into this business that he hopes will really impact a lot of people's lives. And before we get into it, uh, if you follow me on my personal Instagram or if you just follow me wherever, um, you'll know last month that I did a running challenge with him. Uh, and, you know, before the month of July, I really had never run more than 10 miles in my entire life. But something about Leonardo creating this community within the Skinny Fat Cook that, you know, we had all these people, I think it was like, what, 30 to 40 runners just running for this goal of 46 miles. And to just have all these people doing it in this community that Leonardo has built, um, was really impactful on me. And last month I actually ran 57 miles in the month of July, um, which for me is kind of insane. Uh, cause I never thought I'd run that much ever in my life. Uh, but I really do owe Leonardo a lot, uh, for that experience. It really impacted me and changed me in a better way. I run, uh, I try to run five days a week now. It's really helped with my health, my mental state, and it's just really helped with everything going on. And I would suggest it greatly, you know, a time to run or time to do a physical activity, especially now when we need this time to kind of get the negative energy out and just kind of refocus on our day. Uh, but what Leonardo is doing with creating community and really with an emphasis on making the lives of people better right now, I think it's so needed. Um, and I think it's so important. And in it, we talk about, you know, the skinny fat cook, his mantra, what he's all about, what he wants the organization to be, how we can be better in living well and eating well and training well. And then at the end, we kind of talk about his acts with uh, social change and uh, protesting and kind of what that's been like for him. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation because I think there's a lot of benefit to it. And if you get anything out of it, just know that, you know, there's not a lot we can control. And I think this is what I learned last month, that there's so much we can't control, especially now, but we can control the factors that affect our bodies, our mind, and what we eat and what else, you know, what we put out into the world. We control that. And if we're mindful of what we do and if we're mindful of how we interact and how we treat ourselves, we could, you know, we can make it through this. And so, you know, with everything going on, I really hope that Leonardo's message of just 
you know, working on yourself to be better and just making yourself, you know, as optimal as possible. I really hope it helps some people out, especially cooks, because as we all know, the industry is super tough. But anyway, I'm going to let, you know, let us get into the conversation. But like I said, Leonardo, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone else listening, um, check out his page at The Skinny Fat Cook. You know, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. But I really enjoyed this episode, really enjoyed this talk. And yeah, I just hope it helps some people out. And here we go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, man. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, of course. If you just want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, do you want me to just give you my name or background yeah. or what? Yeah, name, background, uh, yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, I'm Leonardo Holland. I am a uh, 33-year-old dude living in New York City. I love food. I love exercising, and I'm getting into this whole uh, holistic spiritual thing, and I'm mixing it all together to uh, help everyone out as, as much as I can. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into it later on in the episode, obviously. As you know, I've been following along with uh, kind of the group challenges you've put out or the, I guess, the month-long challenges. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, uh, I'd like to ask everyone um, what food, like, where you're from right, in terms of, like, what food was like for you growing up? Like, in ter- like, what was your culinary background like when you were growing up? What did food mean to you? And when did you start to, like, really know you wanted to be in the industry or at least be working with food in some way? Okay. Uh, so for me, food is family. My, the biggest influences on food is probably the same thing as like a lot of people, my grandmother and my mom and all that, and having large cookouts, even my uncle, because he would go crabbing and would have these uh, large cookouts at my at my great grandma's house and stuff. Um, church, that helped out a lot because my uncle was, uh, he was a pastor, my daddy was a minister for a bit and we'd have to go everywhere with him. There was always food there. So I always equate food with fellowship. Um, and, and not necessarily like just like the Christian type of concept with fellowship, but like like the true meaning of fellowship. Like you, every time there's food, for the most part, there, there's there's more than one person. A lot of people don't eat by themselves. People come together, and if you're having a gathering, there's probably going to be food there. Um, I really got into food or, or figured out that I I really loved food was when I was in the military. I was in Texas. There wasn't too much to do out there, so we would have cookouts and stuff. And that's how I figured out that I really love the entire hospitality industry and food. I love messing around with different barbecue recipes and stuff like that. And I like getting people drunk. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a good time. Like you saw the fellowship of food and whatnot. Uh, what mm-hmm. were some specific dishes? I know you mentioned uh, crabbing, but what were some specific dishes from your grandmother, your uncle, that kind of, you know, you carry with you to, you know, today when you're cooking and you kind of look back? My favorite dish in the world is this. Uh, it's, it's called yak, 
and I don't know exactly where it came from. I'm pretty sure it has a whole bunch of different influences to it. I know uh, New Orleans has something called Yakimane or something like that. It's, it's kind of similar. And I know it has some uh, Asian influences because it's called Yak or whatever, it, although it doesn't, you know, it's it's a hodgepodge of things. It's like ketchup and uh, like ketchup is onions in there, vinegar. Um, I put garlic in mine, chicken, these really thick noodles, uh, uh, soy sauce. There's a there's a there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can make it, you know? and I think that that it, it received those influences because the city that where I grew up in, Portsmouth, Virginia, is right by mm-hmm. Norfolk, Virginia, and that's like a, a very big naval hub. So you have people coming around the world or traveling around the world and bringing things back and trying to recreate certain things. So okay, awesome. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Um, and I do, and, and like I was gonna no, say. Go one of one of the things that I requested when I uh, graduated high school was a bowl of yak because I was up in up in Northern Virginia and they didn't know about it and they, so they don't make it at all and so I asked one of my uncles to make some and they ended up bringing it up to me for for my high school graduation. That's how much I love it. Okay, that's cool, man. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's awesome that you got that request. Um, what uh, you know, first off, thank you for your service. Uh, you know, I think that's something that, you know, serving our country, defending our country is something that's so honorable. Um, yep, thank and, you. Thank you for your taxes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, what, uh, what was it like for you, uh, serving? I mean, I know I wanted to touch a little bit upon this. Like, what was that, um, like for you? What did you get out of the experience and how do you think it set you up for, you know, getting into the food industry? Man, that is a complicated answer, especially because of the things that are going on right now. Um, mm. It, but I would say it was more so a positive experience. It was something that I wanted to do since I was a child, not necessarily the job that I did, but being in the military because, um, again, where I'm from, a lot of people join the military in the uh, black community. Being in the mm. military can be passed down generation after generation, so... Um, my dad, he, he retired, my great, I mean, not my great, but my grandfather, he retired as well. Um, I'm the first one to not retire that, that has done it. And I guess in my male bloodline who joined the military, um, what was the question again? No, just say, uh, um, I mean, did I get out of it? Yeah, I guess, or I, you know, what did you like about it or how did it help you out in life? I liked, uh, I like meeting all the different people. It, it exposed me to trying even more, even different foods, even more, I guess, like uh, foods that I, that I wasn't exposed to. I remember the first time I had sushi, I was like, there's no way I wouldn't like this. And then I ate it and I was like, mm, I think I like this. <laughs> and so now, so now I, I like, it opened my mind. How about that? To different yeah. cultures and things. So, yeah. No, yeah. no, that's cool. I mean. And, you know, like you said, you kind of found out your love for cooking or food uh, down in Texas. So that's yeah, definitely a positive. And it does, it had, did change the way that I view things or the way that I approach things because I was a mechanic in the, uh, in the Air Force. So there's like a, there's like a philosophy. Like if, if you want to see how a person thinks, look at the way that they, they learn things or, or what they've done in their life. So I do take a mechanical uh, approach to, to certain things. Like if this part is broken or this part is broken. Just figure out what's going on here, or um, this this alludes to my philosophy with food and health and fitness and everything. Is that 
you want to fix something or you want to prevent the breakage before it breaks. Preventative maintenance is the same thing that like if you have a car, you want to put oil mm -hmm. in the car in the engine before the engine blows so that you don't have to buy the new engine. Keep the same engine. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Um, you know, I want to also ask you, you know, so from transitioning from uh, the military, did you go right into culinary school or what was that transition like when you decided you were going to go to school for it? So I got, uh, we got to back up a little bit before I got out. So right before I got out, I'm say about a year or so, I was in a motorcycle accident and I was being, I was being stupid a little bit. So got banged up and I was sitting on the couch and then because I couldn't couldn't go to work for like a, for a couple of weeks or whatever, and I had to watch TV, and I ended up watching the Food Network, and I was like, I really, at the time I didn't really like fixing planes, but I you know I'm I'm gonna do do the absolute best that I can at my job because people's lives are at risk, but I realized that I really like cooking food, and there's a way that you can make money doing something that I love to do. So I was like, I'm gonna go do this, the CIA, the um, the Culinary Institute of America. Those guys and girls, they were winning all the uh, the challenges. So I was like, "Well, I have to go to where the winners are." <laughs> so I I deployed to Afghanistan, and while I was deployed, I did did my research. It solidified the fact that I wanted to go to that school. I applied. Um, they accepted me. Like I, I want to say, like two days from when I came back from Afghanistan, I got a call, and they was like, "Oh yeah, you're in." I was like, "Oh, this." We lit. I'm, I'm, I'm finna. I'm finna go to the top. Like there's, there's no stopping me. So yeah, I, I ended up at, at the time we had to do the six months, uh, six months of, of restaurant work before you can get into the school. Mm -hmm. So I did that while I was still in the military and leaving PT and stuff. And then I would say two weeks after I fully separated from the military, I was attending classes. So there was there's not much of a break in between. Okay. And I mean, your time at the school. I mean, I know you uh, had different roles, but um, what was like? What was it the experience like getting to learn uh, food? I mean, it's a much different atmosphere than probably anywhere else. You know, in terms of learning about food. Yeah. So there were a lot of parallels with with the school in the military, which is one of the reasons why I picked the school because the school started off as a as a place um to help vets get jobs back in the day, but mm -hmm. what was really eye-opening to me was that I knew absolutely nothing. I thought I knew some stuff, and then Chef LaRue let me know <laughs> day one that I knew nothing. <laughs> yeah. and, I, oh, and, I, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, for fundamentals, I had Chef Cerrone, and the same thing. Just, uh, I don't know. I feel like you go in and you think you know at least somewhat, you know, like otherwise why would mm -hmm. you go to culinary school and you get there and you're like, yeah, I I had no nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. What was so, so what was what was your eye opening thing when you when you started at the school? For me, the eye opening thing, I you know when you said you, meeting the people um, mm -hmm. in the military for you, that was it for me in uh, culinary school. Like I, you know, I grew up grew up in Buffalo, New York, smaller town, and just to go mm -hmm. and like meet all these different people with all these different backgrounds and experiences and wants and views on the world. Like, you know, alone, just seeing everyone and meeting all these different people for me was worth 
like the price of admission. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anywhere else I would have gotten that. Uh, so for me, it definitely was just seeing all the different people at the school all striving to be successful in the food industry in some way. That's great. So, yeah, man. Um, and also, like, you know, obviously you go through school, and I know you're kind of doing something a little bit more different now. Um, but before we get into that, I also remember you doing martial arts. Oh, oh well, I knew yeah. you in school. Uh, do you still yeah. keep up with that, or what was that? I guess what martial art did you do, uh, follow? Because I remember seeing that and thinking that was like super cool to, um, you know, see you do. So, jujitsu. Okay. That's, yeah, and I, and I still do it. Well, not so much now because of uh, Corona, but uh, it's jujitsu. And what is it about jujitsu probably... that you like? What is it not to like? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I kind of got into jujitsu because I I grew up wrestling in high school, and okay. you can't really go to a basketball court like yo, bro, let's wrestle. Everybody's gonna look at you like, bro, like get off the court. Like so, <laughs> um, I got I got into jujitsu from that way. Like I had a couple of friends that were in the military that, that they would fight, and I would do stuff with them every now and then, but I never really took it seriously. Mm-hmm. And then um. I came up here to uh, New York and I wanted to do something that would still keep me kind of physically active, but still with like a group activity thing, because that really helps me uh, stay, stay dedicated to, to my activity. Mm-hmm. And I chose jujitsu. It was either going to be jujitsu or yoga. I, I went with jujitsu for, for the time. So, and then I came down here to New York and I, this is like one of the fight capitals of the world. So why would I stop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, well, that's cool, man. Uh, so yeah, I want to get into what you're working on now. I mean, I'd love to have you introduce it yourself, uh, kind of your, you know, the group you made, the project you're working on and kind of what it's all about. So if you wanted to introduce the people listening, you know, your brand, I guess, uh, what, what would that be? Okay. So the, the name of it is the skinny fat cook and the skinny fat cook is about, uh, a holistic approach to life as, as far as like health, health and wellness, food and everything. So it originally started off, it was just going to be a food blog talking about how to make food a little bit healthier for people in the minority culture so that they can live longer, live better, live further, you know. Um, since this corona thing has happened, I, I kind of altered it a little bit because I was I was in my in my house or whatever. And I was like, yo, like this this is not good. And so I added some of the, uh, it's like a, more like a, an Ayurvedic approach to things, which is which goes to the preventative maintenance uh, concept that I, I already had in my life. So mm-hmm. the mantra for the skinny fat cook is eat well, train well, live well. And it all goes together because um, if, you, if you're eating well, then your brain is firing off a little bit better. Your organs are able to operate a little bit better which allows you to train well and then training training well is exercising that's also when you're going to work right you want to be able to perform well at work because you want to keep your job or you want to make make the money so that you can take your kids out um, to a vacation or maybe you just want to play with your kids or maybe you just want to put your Mm -hmm. jeans on from however many years ago and then um living well that's that's the part the part that i'm working on right now to to hash everything out is that's where I'm trying to bring in a mindfulness aspect to everything because is 
it's not just about eating and, and exercising. Yes, when you're eating, you are your brain is going to fire off um, better. When you're training and getting to your flow state with working and everything, it is some meditative properties. But I believe that uh, meditating and and uh, making sure that you're getting your proper amount of sleep and uh, addressing your stressful situations in a proper way is going to give you a better outlook on life. And so I'm trying to get that that knowledge out to everyone. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd love to start, you know, I'd love to break it up into three parts and go in depth a little more. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to start with Eat Well, I got, you know, we my last podcast, I had a registered dietitian on. Uh, and we were talking about mm-hmm. kind of being, uh, you know, chefs kind of what we eat. But I know this is more so geared toward everyone, so I'd like to keep the conversation in that way. Uh, why do you, like, you know, and as you also know, I've, I've had my own, um, I guess, journey of losing weight and trying to be healthier. Um, but why do you think it's so hard for, like, to, for us to eat well? You know, it's something that seems, that for me at least would seem so, you know, important to put the right fuel into your body. But even myself, for most of my life, and even now, sometimes I struggle to, you know, put the right things into my body. Why do you think it's, or what have you noticed about eating well that is so challenging for people? We're really good at making the things that we shouldn't eat taste really good. <laughs> That's um, and then and we've been doing this since we were young, like since we were babies, and I think that that's that's literally it. You've been fed a whole bunch of sugar, fed a whole bunch of fat. Me, me, myself, I'm the same mm-hmm. way. I have my issues. I still like to eat McDonald's from time to time. I like Twizzlers. <laughs> I like Starburst. So I think that's right. that's the hardest thing. There's, it's the, it's an abundance of options, and it's very easy to get those options. It's harder to um. It's harder and more expensive to find the find the or, organic uh, items and things like that. And then you have to process them. You have to know how to cook them. You have to know how to wash them, how to store them, how to take care of them, as opposed to buying a pack of whatever, opening it, throwing it in some water for like five minutes, and then eat it. Yeah, so. yeah. I've been uh I've been looking into more so school food lunches, but um you know growing up in the Niagara Falls Buffalo region, uh you know there's there are definitely food deserts around here. Uh, and I know, mm-hmm. um, even in New York, there's some places that it's very hard to access food. Um, and so like, do you, so with eat well, do you, is it your goal to kind of educate people on how to cook? Like, how do you think we could educate? Like, I, I feel like the basic, you know, American doesn't have the tools they need to cook for themselves. So you're not really taught it in school. You're not really, you know, shown what foods are great. Our school system is usually sponsored by, these larger corporations in general, um, you know, giving yeah. us, giving kids bad food. So do you think knowledge is the key to kind of starting to change the narrative on that? Or what are your thoughts? Absolutely. I think knowledge is, is, is the first step. Like, so if, when I'm working with people, one of the things that I like to do is I like them to, um, take, take a little snapshot of what they've been eating, just write everything down so that I can see what they already like. And then we talk about the different things and then talk about, uh, different type of ingredients that they can use to, that can kind of give them the same kind of effect. So it, it does start off with education because you can say, hey, you got to eat healthy. Well, how do I eat healthy? What is healthy? You, you got you to gotta let the people know. So yeah. education is is key. And there, there was a time when I was in, in the military and I was trying to do a different job and I needed to be in, in really good shape. I didn't really know how to eat well, so I was eating chicken with no with nothing and and vegetables with nothing because I didn't know what to do how to make it taste good or anything and soon as 
that part of my life was over, I went right back to doing what I was doing before because it sucked eating bland chicken. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I could imagine. Power, man. Yeah. Um, and so you said when you work with people, obviously getting them the knowledge is important. Uh, what, what is the, what has been successful in terms of your experience on getting people to kind of, I guess, stay the course. Like, you know, there's, like, I feel like for a lot of people, like, you know, you get around late at night, you're craving something. It's fine. It's like the worst time for you to eat. But, um, what, what is there like, I guess, is there something that you tell them to like help them stay the course or, because for me, honestly, it was just me needing to tell myself over and over again that, like, if I keep eating the way I do, I'm probably going to, a, you know, pass away younger or just have a much more miserable life than if I were to, you know, get healthier. So what what mm-hmm. is that kind of, like, how do you kind of, do you try instilling that into people? Or like, what is your way of making sure people stay the course? Because, like you said, it's easy to tell them, but it's a lot harder to kind of build a new habit. Well, that depends on every every individual's goals. So you got to figure out why they want to do it. And then once they tell you why, you got to ask them why again so you can get to the heart of the matter. Um, as far as like people wanting to eat things at, at odd times, I would say meets and plots, right? You want to you want to you set yourself up for success and not failure. So if you know that you have um, issues with eating me, I had issues with eating Twizzlers, right? So you know what I would do? I would just not have Twizzlers in my house and I would mm-hmm. have some fruit or something like that to eat instead. So if I knew I was going to have the sugar craving, I'm going to not have the uh, the Twizzlers. So if I do want to go get the Twizzlers, I have to leave my house in the middle of the night to go get some Twizzlers. <laughs> and yeah. that's probably not going to happen. And that's and then if I do want some sugar, maybe I have some grapes in, in, uh, grapes in, the, uh, in the refrigerator. I eat the grapes or maybe I'll do a little bit of yogurt with a little bit of honey or something like that to, to, to keep me to stave it off. So if I can't do it a hundred percent, 70% is better than, than 0%, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that and, is so true. And and another thing that I, I try to talk to people about is like, a, or when I'm stealing people is that don't, don't hundred, 100% restrict yourself, restrict yourself from things because that, kind of it subconsciously creates the, uh, like, I guess, like the rebellion type thing in your body or in, in your mind to where you're saying, like, oh, I can't do this. Well, I'm going to do this. I, I know that's that's how it is for me. So, yeah, I mean, that's how it was for me, too. Um, you know, my routine, I guess, when I started to drop weight was I would or not my routine, but I, I literally would have like this sounds crazy, but I would have like a dessert schedule every day. Where it was either uh, like a cut, like a, one of those outshine bars. Like I'm addicted to these outshine bars, or like the whole fruit bars that you find mm-hmm. in like the grocery store. Or I would have a piece of dark chocolate, and that would be it for me. But I had a like, like I still like you said, I still had to have something that was sweet, and I still do to this day. Like I still have a piece of chocolate or a, a, a fruit bar, but it at least was something. But and it didn't cut it all the way out. And I think like those like things that were healthier, but still kind of hit those notes of like sweetness at the end of the day, really helped me not, like, splurge like I was used to all the time. Yeah. Um, don't want so, to go back in the cycle of binging. Yeah, no, definitely not. That, And I think that's, I mean, going to cooks, I, you know, we talked about this in the last episode, but I think that's what's so hard is, like, you know, you got to, I'm sure you've experienced this, you got to work, you go home, you go to your fridge, and it's like, you know, after, like, 10 minutes, you've eaten, like, maybe three you know meals worth of food because you're so hungry <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so or or I, you just snacking on whatever's on the line that you can while you're there 
yeah, yeah, like yeah. And and depending on where you're at, the the food might be great, but it's probably not healthy. No, um, I guess that's my last question for eat well before we get into more so, um, you know, the training and live well. What it what's what's the key to, like for you to fight like a craving? It's like especially as someone who's worked in the industry. I mean, you're in great physical shape. I know you you know you always want to improve, but. What's been your key to kind of fight those cravings after a shift or when you get out of work? Well, to be honest, I haven't worked in, uh, behind the line in a while. But to me, it's going to be the same answer that I said before. I have to I have to make sure that I set myself up for success before it happens. Because if I guess I guess that's kind of the military too, right? Like if if you're preparing for something and it's and it's happening, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So. You you need to be you need to be ready before it happens. That's that's, okay. that's my yeah. philosophy behind that. Yeah, so I think that's a that, good idea. If if you know that you're going to be working late or something like that, and and you're not going to have any time, maybe you batch cook your meals beforehand, or maybe you have your, your dark chocolate or something at the ready, as opposed yeah. to saying, "Oh, now what." <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's good advice, and I hope you know people take it. Um, next up, obviously, train well. Uh, this is a big one for me because you know last month your uh, you, your training kind of installed a new lifestyle change into me. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, what does train well uh, mean? You know, going more in depth in terms of like physical fitness and you know just you know training your body. What is like what does that look like for you when you're trying to teach that to someone else or instill that into someone else have fun with it for me that's that's like the biggest key and that may be because i grew up with fitness in my life some in some form or shape or the other um i was always outside playing sports even if i suck at it i was still gonna play like (laughs) I, i was i was a pretty i was a wrench out of everybody that, that I was with. Like when I was started wrestling in, in the ninth grade, I wrestled 103 pounds. I weighed 88 pounds. So I got <laughs> smashed a lot. I got smashed a lot, but I just wanted to be active and I had fun. I didn't, I guess I took my, I didn't think about it as work. I didn't think about it as, as punishing myself or anything like that or something that I had to do. It was just somewhat of a social activity of having fun. So I do encourage people to do uh, group activities. Now, if they don't, if they're a person that doesn't like to be around large groups, uh, they could go running on their own, which is why mm-hmm. I kind of did it, which is why I went with the running uh, challenge. You, you could ride your bike. You could go swimming. You could go hiking, which is something that I love to do. And there's, there's so many different things. So what I try to focus on, focus, what I try to push the people is to do something that you enjoy. Because if you don't like running or if you don't like doing doing whatever, maybe you won't end up liking it so do what you like to do if it, if it interests you if you want to figure out how to how to play like quidditch or something like that then do that <laughs> yeah um what uh what um in terms of hiking i know we have a lot of new york listeners and i know you're based out of new york if you could name a couple of spots in that area or if, whoa, if there's whoa, any whoa, whoa, whoa. You, want, you, you want me to you want me to give them spots it, not, hmm? i guess nothing that's too uh <laughs> you know close to you if you want to give away like the basics that would be good enough no, nah, I don't have any problem with uh, telling <laughs> anybody anything. But I say I really like going to Harriman State Park. I'm I'm in New York City, so I can hop on the train and go there. I don't have a car like a mm-hmm. lot of New Yorkers. 
So I really like Harriman State Park. Um, Breakneck Mountain, that is very challenging and that is fun to do. That was my first uh, first hike and I was not ready for that. So if, if you're <laughs> listening to this and you're doing breakneck, make sure you have the proper shoes on and make sure you have some clothes that you don't care about because <laughs> you're going to mess them up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I um, I also love hiking. I when I was at school, I just went on Mount Beacon. Um, you know, I never did do a breakneck, much physical, a lot of uh, physical differences from then and now. Um, but into the running challenge, uh, you know, can't say enough how much this like impacted me. So, you know, you and for people listening, uh, Leonardo had invited me to join this group, and um, I saw that he was doing a running challenge, and. I saw this in June, around the end of June, and I've always been someone, I think I told you this, who, who's wanted to run, uh, but I never just, you know, never went after it. And so at the end of June, I started running uh, incrementally, like a mile here, a mile there. And for this challenge, it was uh, 46 miles uh, for the month of July. And I was, you know, I started that and I was like, I, there's no way I'm finishing this. Uh, but, you know, through talking to you, advice from I guess on resting, you know, one of the most important things you taught me, you told me was, you know, if your body hurts, make sure you're resting and just like seeing mm-hmm. your success with it and seeing the group success. Somehow I did 57 miles last month, yeah, which was like, you smashed it. <laughs> yeah. You smashed it. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, if you want to tell everyone about the last month's running challenge, cause I don't know, like it was the most enjoyable part of my month and a lot of, you know, a lot of tough shit going on right now and everyone's lives, um, you know, a lot of tough shit going on in my life, but that really helped me kind of stay the course last month and keep some mental clarity. So if you want to go into, you know, the whole reason for the challenge and kind of how you thought of it and what your thoughts were on the, you know, people actually doing it. Okay. So, um, I got it. I got into, to running hard this year because, uh, I guess, I guess it, Corona. I had one, before it happened. Before Corona happened, I had planned on doing a, a half marathon and doing some Spartan races and doing a, doing a fair amount of jujitsu tournaments. But that all got canceled out. So the only thing that I could do was run. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I just started running. And then the George Floyd thing happened. Before yeah. before the George Floyd thing happened, I didn't. I don't think I ran more than three or four miles at a time. And I would probably maybe only do it two or three times out of the week. But then the George Floyd thing happened and I was pissed off. And I was like, I got to get this energy out somehow. So I just ran and I ran for like nine miles. And I was like, I ran nine miles. How, how did that happen? <laughs> and I had this crazy idea. I was like, I'll maybe I should just run for like 24 hours and see if I can get other people to do that. And I was like, mm, no one is going to do that. No one is going to do that with me. So I came up with the idea to have this running challenge and I did, uh, but I was going to do, I think the, the month prior, I wanted to do 30 miles and I did that. And then this month, then so for the next month, I was like, I'm going to do 45. And then I was like, I can't do 45 because Trump is the 45th president. So it's got to be 46. So I did 46. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, it was, I didn't think that many people would do it, but a lot of people did it. And I'm I'm happy like a you're not the only person who sent me messages saying thank you for for doing that, and that honestly empowered me to 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 to, to keep doing these challenges and stuff. Like uh, when I did the challenge, I was like, "Yeah, oh, I'm gonna do this in ten days or so." Because the month prior, I had a friend named John. He's about to um, have a fight here soon, so look out for him. Yeah, uh, right. gentleman, John Vieira. So 
So I was like, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do my challenge in ten days, or whatever. And then I ended up doing it like five days in eight hours. I'm like, what? Like I had the same, <laughs> I had the same experience as you. I was like, I what? <laughs> so yeah, it has me supercharged, and I know it's supercharged a bunch of other people. And I feel like I would be failing myself, and I'll be failing everyone else that's doing this with me if I didn't keep pushing. And talking about uh, the military, I had one, uh, I had one, one officer. She was, she was awesome. And she she was always talking about once you hit this goal, don't stop there. Just make another goal and keep pushing. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, talking about the community first, and then I'll then I'll kind of get into like the actual running. Um, you know, when I start, like I said, when I started, I wasn't really sure of myself. I was there's, I was like, there's no way. Like I remember my first mile was like brutal. I like <laughs> I got back to my house and like literally laid on the couch. Um, I actually did mm-hmm. the first 30 miles, the first 25 miles of the challenge with just basic sneakers. I didn't get running shoes until like the 10th day of the month, which was like, Oh, wow. Um, what do we call sorry, basic sneakers? Like basketball shoes? No, it was just, uh, this like Puma, like outdoor shoes. I, they're just like basic, like, I wouldn't call them running shoes. They're just like, you know, yeah, kind of basketball yeah. shoes. They almost look like, but, um, so it was, um, they were not, uh, I guess, the best for running. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of pain the first day, a lot of, like, self-doubt. But And then, you know, seeing you run and then just seeing the videos, um, you know, I, I really didn't know anyone else in the group besides you. But I definitely, like, would look on your Instagram story and see, you know, the people in the group running and sending you videos and the night runs and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And, like, that that was, like, really, like, every, like, every time I saw a video, I was like, all right, you got to go out the next day and, like, do another, you know, do an extra mile or at least push yourself to be better on your timing. And like, yeah, man, like I'm, I mean, as you know, I'm still running today. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it turned out to be something that like really helped me. I don't know. I felt like if I could go out and run and start, you know, accomplish the goal I set for myself, I could do anything else in the day is kind of the attitude yeah. I, that it brought me. And I, I don't know. I mean, what was the response like from everyone else? I know they, it was positive, but were there any like testimonials to kind of the positive effects it had on people yeah there's there's definitely testimonials on the positive effects um there was one of my friends she wrote something on facebook on the uh skinny fat cook group whatever and that was really touching and that that made me want to work even harder you know um I, there's there's a guy named jocko willink i know you i know me and you we talked about david goggins before right mm-hmm. there's a yeah, I know jocko there's too. another guy yeah, so he he's got this uh, discipline equals freedom thing, and and that's absolutely true. And I think that's what's kind of kind of going on. When you were talking about starting your day off by doing something hard, and then everything else is like, yo, I already did this. What you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously a quick shout out to David Goggins. I mean, I know we're getting away from cooking, but you know, someone who's so. For me, it was so inspirational. I read his book last month while doing the run challenge, and mm-hmm. he's just someone who, like, I don't know, he's a different type of person. And, like, that, you know, if hearing his story has made me be like, all right, I can run two miles if this guy's going to run, what, 100 miles in 24 hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so, Ridiculous. Like, um, but, yeah, man, I mean, so, yeah, the running, I mean, still keeping up with today, like, so uh, big thank you to that. Um, you know, this morning, even, even this morning, like, you know, running, I got to like mile 2.5. I wanted to do five. I was starting to get like a little sore. I was like, uh, I really don't know if I want to do this. And then, you know, just that idea of like, you know, giving, 
that Goggins always says you only give like 40% of yourself. Most people only give 40% of themselves. And I thought about that this morning mm-hmm. and pushed through. And, you know, after like mile three, I felt good again. Um, and I think that relates to cooking. I think it relates to life. Like I feel like so many times, and I think that's what this challenge taught me the most is that we set up, the, our, we set up boundaries that don't exist except in our minds. And if we yeah. could only push those a little farther, we could get somewhere much more closer to what we actually want from ourselves. Yeah, and and that's kind of something that you get from Trainwell. And I have to shout out my father for this because uh, I learned about pushing myself physically at a young age because um, my one of my punishments when I was a kid was uh, push-ups. And my dad, like I said earlier, my dad was in the military. He's very strict. I'm I'm more I'm way more relaxed than my father is, and so and I also have ADD. So me following rules. Doesn't work all the time. Not necessarily because <laughs> I don't want to, but it just just doesn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. So I ended up doing a lot of push-ups, more than I thought any person could do when I was a kid. And I remember um, doing push-ups in front of his, uh, in front of the people that he worked with, and they were like, "Wow, look at this, this kid! Like he's just pushing himself. He's going." And and there was one time where I went and I did PT with him in his unit, and. They left me in the woods because I couldn't keep up. But then my dad came back and I finished running. And these people, like the people in, in the neighborhood, they were running through the neighborhood and the parents, they were clapping for him. Like, yeah, good job. And I felt great. And I was like, oh, snap. I just went further than I ever thought I could. And then we did the little rope thing and I climbed up the rope and I was like, oh, I can't get back down. My pops was like, well, I can't help you. I told you how to do it. Just think about it, think it through, and then you get down, and then that's what happened. So I guess that's, that's kind of the same thing like Goggins is, is saying. Like it is, it is mentally just push yourself, and, you, and you'll make it through it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I, that that challenge really, uh, I think, helped me set myself up to you know think I can do more. Uh, you know, just in life in general, and getting you know talking about the mindfulness of everything, getting into the last part, live well. Um, you know, as hard as running fifty-seven miles was last month i will say Mm -hmm. this month's challenge has been difficult (laughs) we're only on day four Mm -hmm. so just sit down for 10 to 15 minutes and try to meditate why is meditation so important because it it, it says it's it's an opportunity for you to look inside of yourself and set your intentions if that's what you want to do maybe have uh some emotional issues that you need to fix that's something that i i work on um this you can do whatever you want inside of that time and you can extend the time for as long as as it needs to be. You can uh, practice on regulating your breathing so that when you're running, you can run better. You can you can preset the way that you're going to think and react to different uh, stressors throughout the day, so that you can operate better throughout work. Um, I, you probably you definitely did this while you were in the CIA when you're writing down your game plans and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you show up to class, you have everything that you need. You know what you're going to do, and you get it done. That's the same thing that you're doing with, with this meditation thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, not it's just it, for me. Like, I'm a very energetic person, I guess I'll say. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just hard to kind of like sit down uh, and just get into the zone. But like, once I'm in it, like you're right, like there is something about that. And also, I've picked up uh, journaling recently, which has been you know a mentor of mine, uh, Dwayne, former guest on the podcast, Dwayne Brown. Uh, shout out mm-hmm. to him. He um, he suggested to me uh, journaling, and mm-hmm. for me, that's also been very. It's almost been like a meditation, you know. Obviously, meditation is different than writing, but um, just the ability to kind of look within yourself and 
pull out the negatives and the positives and kind of sort through it all has been very helpful, especially during this time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's eye opening. Like, uh, like I'm probably thinking like hyperbole, but the way that I'm thinking of the skinny fat cook and the eat well, live well, train well thing is, is a way that it can, it can help the entire world. It can, it, it can do a, a bunch of different things. Like I come from a family that was always helping people. My great grandma, I remember her giving people stuff when she didn't have it. My mom, she was a social worker herself. And I remember her giving things and we didn't necessarily have everything. And I, I don't, I don't remember too many times that she said anything bad to about anyone or anything. She's always been helping everyone. And so that, I try to, I try to embody that with everything that I, that I do. It's good. Yeah, man. Um, I think it's important. And I think the, my, I think the live well is the biggest thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I just think in general, I think especially people in the food industry, it's hard to, it's hard to like, it's hard to live well. It's very hard to actually set up a life for yourself where you're, you know, I don't want to say thriving, yeah, but you're grind. mentally okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> yes. a grind. And it's, it never ends. You, Huh. Yeah, it is a grind. But when you're making those things on that line and you see and you see the people eating it, it's worth it. Yeah, so. I totally agree. Um, so what is so what are your? Uh, I guess you know, going we've gone through kind of the the core values of uh, the skinny fat cook. What is your goal uh, moving forward in terms of growing it or building it out? Or I know you have the very admirable goal of you know if we can implement this in larger amounts of people, it will change the way we view the world. Um, how do you, what are your plans like in the next five years with it? Uh, my plans are to learn how, learn about Ayurvedic principles so that I can effectively get the word out to everyone else about that. And I also want to attract people that are more, that know more than me in eating well, that know more than me in training well, know more than me in living well, because I know that I am not the guru. I am not the end all be all. But I do have this idea and I do believe that I can work with other people that have the same passion as me to blow this thing up, you know. And that's and that's and that's my goal in the five to ten years. Like I, I see I see seminars, I see retreats, I see food products, I see uh I see online things because what if what if someone doesn't want to go to a seminar or retreat because they don't like being around other people or maybe they're too sh- they're shy or something like that, you know, or maybe they're just introverted and they they just don't want to be around people so they can get the information online, you know? So I just, the goal is to create accessibility. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great idea and I think it's a great, um, I mean, I think it's going to be a very successful, you know, not only business, but way of life for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, man, I wish you the best on it. Uh, if you know, I guess my last question, I know you, uh, you know, in the spirit of living well and training well and eating well, I, I've been watching you, uh, start getting into biking. Uh, if you wanted to share kind of what you're doing with that and what, you know, you're right. I know you shared it with me, but if you want to share it on the podcast, that'd be great. Oh, okay. So, uh, I've been partaking in these bike protests. Shout out to, um, ride to DC street riders, NBR cycling and riders for rights. Uh, I got into them from, uh, working with, uh, food for change at NYC through protesting and everything. And, I just want to figure out how I could do something to help people out and help out this, this whole, uh, this situation that we're in. And 
they're riding down to DC to go protest in in DC for the for the march in DC late August August twenty second through the twenty eighth, and so I'm going to mm. do that with them, and then I intend on going down to uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, and I want to raise money for community gardens. Uh, specifically, there's one there's one near me in in the uh, in Bushwick, Brooklyn that I'm in, and then there's one down in uh, Craddock in the neighborhood called Craddock in Portsmouth, Virginia, and I want to raise money for those two. And I want to just bring awareness of that you can grow your own food inside of your own neighborhood for everyone around you and help people out. And I think that's really going to be key because of everything that's going on right now in the world, because we don't know what's going to happen and we need to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and whatever you need shared or however I can help spread that message, you know, obviously send it over. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, man, I think it's important. Uh, You know, something just popped into my head. I realized you know, with the run last month, uh, the bike ride to DC, uh, what, you know, obviously a lot of protests going on uh, right now, uh, for social change, uh, social equality, um, and to fight injustice. What is it about, in your opinion, what is it about the act of like a physical, like a physical challenge showing, um, your support for a certain cause? What is, what is it about that, that speaks so highly to you, that speaks so highly to the people in the group? What do you think it is about, you know, pushing yourself for a cause and not just, you know, we could have just ran 50 miles last month, but we did it, you know, there was a reason behind it and you're riding to DC for a reason. What is it about the physicality of it all that speaks so highly to not only you, but the people who see it? I guess I see it as a way of me sacrificing my body in order to, and, and I think that's, for me, that's, that's like the, the highest thing that you can do because you literally only get one body, right? So it's, I guess that's, that's how I view it. It's, I have this body, and I'm going to use it to do good, and that's that's what I'm doing. When I was uh, I, what I was there uh, for a few nights at the at the city hall thing, and I knew stuff that could could have happened there, and I knew that I needed to be there, so I was there. When we're out there doing riding these bikes and stuff. Things can happen there, and. I know that people are listening to this. I know that you've watched the news and I know that you've seen people being kidnapped and stuff like this. This stuff is real. And I think what, why it works is because everyone knows that those things can happen to people and they want to be out there, but maybe they can't because they have kids that need, that they need to take care of or, or whatever reason that they have. I don't have those reasons. So I'm going to go do what I can. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, doing a, even doing a running challenge like that is, you know, it, it lets people be a part of the, you know, what you've done is you let people be a part of this community. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, first off, thank you for that. Thanks for, you know, the constant inspiration and motivation. Like, you know, I asked you if I, you know, for help with core workouts, you sent it over to me the next day. Like you are someone who's really open and really, like wanting to inspire positive change in the world. So, um, you know, I think it's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, I end all the podcasts the same. Um, you know, and now that you're on the show, I know you've been following along for a while. Uh, I call the audience the Lion Cook Nation, um, really a group of food loving people trying to come together and, you know, make this world a better place. What does it mean for you now to be on the podcast and to lend your voice to this group of cooks, chefs, bartenders, anyone in the food industry who's interested in cooking, what does it mean for you to kind of share your voice on these topics and on your brand and everything else you got going on? Uh, 
to me, I'm going to have to say that it's, it's empowering because you talking about how the way that you did the physical aspects of everything, that's the way that I feel about talking about whatever I'm doing. Like, I like to be in my little shell. I like to be in my room and not doing things, you know, like not not to be uh, broadcasting who I am or taking pictures of myself or putting on, on like, you know, I, I don't want to be seen. And mm-hmm. this this is very empowering. And I want to say thank you for making it so easy to talk because I don't like, I'm not a big talker as far as that goes. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's empowering. That's the only thing that I can say. Man, awesome. Well, thanks for that. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, thank you for that. It means a lot to hear that. But I, I also um, get nervous at every podcast. So making it easy is kind of been the goal for uh, both sides of the party. But, um, you know, thank you for that. It means a lot. And like I said, man, you're inspiring me. You're inspiring so many. And just, you know, I don't want to say that and just sound like I'm just saying that like you really like, like Leonardo caused me to run 57 miles last month. Like, I don't know what else to say besides that. Like, because of you, I ran 57 miles. I Like, that That should be a testament to kind of what you've taught me. So thank you so much, man, yeah. for coming on. Uh, if you just want to drop any, like, social media handles or anything, um, that would be great. Uh, it's, everything is The Skinny Fat Cook, T-H-E-S-K-I-N-N-Y-F-A-T-C-O-O-K. That's The Skinny Fat Cook on the Instagram and Facebook. So there's a group that you can join on uh, on Instagram. There's a uh, a group that you can join on uh, Facebook. You can add me on the Nike Run Club, the Skinny Fat Cook, Space H, and then Strava is the Skinny Fat Cook, and then on the Insight Timer, which is where we doing which is where we're doing the current um, challenge, it's the Skinny Fat Cook as well. So it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And well, man. Again, I want to say thank you for getting me up here because I know in, you asked me about it before, and I was like, mm, nah, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course, Leonardo. Uh, thanks so much for everything, and yeah, everyone, uh, you know, listening, please go check out the Skinny Fat Cook. I think you going into that, that going into that community really is um, an empowering experience. It's impactful, and I think a lot more cooks, you know, anyone in general, but cooks looking to kind of get some, I guess, balance in their life or get some physical balance or mental balance or just, you know, trying to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I think it's a great place to start. So thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and if they don't want to think about it in that way, just think about it as the more physical shape that you're in, the faster you can move behind that line. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. So there you have it, the interview with Leonardo Holland, a.k.a. the Skinny Fat Cook. Thank you all so much for tuning into another episode. Uh, just a friendly reminder, if you enjoy this episode or if you think you'd like to give some feedback, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me so much in terms of uh, getting new views, getting new or getting new views, getting new listeners, uh, getting more exposure to the podcast. And it just helps me get better at this. You know, I love this thing. I love putting out episodes every week, but I love hearing your feedback and hearing how I can improve. So please leave an honest review. Uh, don't just put five stars, put whatever you feel you know you want the ratings to be, but really do enjoy reading your feedback and really enjoy making this a really great experience for you all. Thank you all so much once again for listening. I hope you follow along with the Skinny Fat Cooks, um, you know, his projects and his whatever he decides to do next. Um, but it's very inspiring and I really would encourage you all to join his group. And if not, join a group. I think it's so important right now to be connected. We're, you know, staying in as much as possible or whether we're 
just you know not being able to see each other like we're used to joining a fitness group for me it just I, I can't explain to you how great of an impact it had so please make sure you join that thank you all so much for listening and i'll see you on the next line cook thoughts podcast